Are you ready to be blessed today? You are. Do you really want to be blessed today? Okay. I promise you that if you listen to what God is saying through the words that I speak today, you will go away from this place really blessed. Now, that's a promise. I'll do my bit. God will do his bit. You need to do your bit. Okay? <clears throat> this year at Meadowvale, in our Meadowvale Christian Fellowship, which we meet once a month, we've been looking at the Beatitudes. Now, a Beatitude is a blessing. Now, I know that you've read them. You've all read them in Matthew chapter 5. You've read the Beatitudes that are set out there. On Palm Sunday, I went to church at Bright. And the preacher drew a parallel between the seven blessings of the Beatitude, the five blessings of the Beatitude, and the woes that came upon the scribes and the Pharisees. But before we looked at that, we came to 620. Verses to 26. And I saw there as I thought about it afterwards and pursued this, four blessings and four woes. And a more personal application of them by setting them side by side. And it was a blessing to me to see the four blessings and the four woes side by side. And so I put them together. And I want to read it to you, the translation according to Tom. Blessed are you who are poor, especially from the Lord. Yours is the kingdom of God. You know, even today there was a little bit in uh, one of the television news broadcasts about how the government's going to make it possible for people to get a loan to buy a house. Not just the normal way it's been in the past, but a couple of friends can decide they'd like to get a loan together, wanting to inherit something here on this earth. Many people can't do that. And it's not a blessing to be poor in that regard. But it goes on to say, blessed in my translation, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have a house here on earth or a home in heaven? A home in heaven, amen. One person's blessed already. Then it goes on, but woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Well, that hits a bit where it hurts, doesn't it? Next one. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. 
David's gone, but I want to tell you, uh, Hannah, that my wife came home from the women's meeting yesterday afternoon late, so you weren't the only one. And she couldn't eat all the tea. Because she had discovered something more filling than the food that we eat. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Blessed are those who weep now, for you will laugh. And woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And here comes the hard bits. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. For that is how the ancestors treated the prophets. We do get a little bit of criticism for being Christians, don't we? We do tend to be excluded from some things because of our Christian faith. And sometimes we stand on the toes of people because we don't want to do and we don't do those things that they do and we get criticised for it. And what does it say? Rejoice in that day and shout with joy and the counterbalance. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you for that is how the, your ancestors treated the false prophets. So we had a look at these things in the message that was brought there, not in the way that I presented it, but using that same passage of Scripture. And it had taken a fairly long time. By the time the woes of the scribes and the Pharisees had been proclaimed, the message had been going for close on an hour. And just when I thought it was safe to wriggle in my seat, we were directed to Luke 10, 13 to 16. And I read it to you. Woe to you, Chorazim. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment. And for you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades. Now, friends, these are the words of the Lord. This is the scripture. This is what God is saying. He's telling us how we can be blessed in our life and, and rejoice in being Christians in this world and not to be ashamed to proclaim the reality of our faith. 
He's also saying it to the church. He's saying to a church who's got everything going for it. To a church that's been blessed with ministry, faithful servants of the Lord who proclaimed his word. And we can say, oh, isn't it great to be part of the Pakenham Baptist Church? But all around us, there are those who are perishing. Those who don't know Christ as their saviour. And how do we feel about that? Are we complacent? Are we satisfied? Or are we fervently praying that God will use each one of us to reach out and touch other lives? And I was reminded at this stage when the message had gone for well over an hour of the young preacher that was attached uh, as a student to a little country church. And he went up to preach there on one Sunday and the weather had been absolutely foul. And the only person that turned up was a cow cocky. He'd already milked his cows and he'd come along to the church to be fed by the pastor who'd come. And the pastor said, oh, brother, he said, it's only you and me. He said, hardly worthwhile, is it, for me just to preach to you? And the old cow cocky said to him, you know, son, I've got a hundred cows in my herd and... Some of them get plenty of pasture out there and, and, and some of them have got to come along to be fed. He says, now, if I've got 100 cows and only one of them turns up, I feed him. Oh, and by this time, the poor old student preacher was feeling pretty miserable, so he said, all right. So he set about preaching and he preached for an hour and a half. And the old cocky said, son... If I got a hundred cows, one of them needs to be fed. I don't give him the whole bowl, you know. <laughs> so think about that if I go a bit longer today than I'm supposed to, all right? Back home and recuperating. You know, I miss I miss Easter Sunday. I missed Good Friday. I missed Easter Sunday. For the first time in 70 years, I wasn't able to gather with the Lord's people because of uh, my affliction at that time. And back home and recuperating, not from the sermon, that was a blessing, but from surgery, which was a real pain. And in the beginning of uh, preparing a message, the elders had asked me to speak today and so I set about doing what I was directed initially and then I was informed that uh, uh, I didn't need to do that because uh, uh, Keith was going to take up that theme when he comes next week and over the time that he's with us. So I wondered to myself, now what would I preach? What would I share with you today? And in my prayer and in my reading, I came across Psalm 89. Now, this is where I start my message, incidentally. All right, the rest was just 
preamble. Okay, Psalm 89, and I want to read to you today. I want to read, first of all, from uh, verse 1 through to verse 8. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth... I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands forever and that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn by David, my servant, I will establish your line forever. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavens beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, God Almighty? You, Lord, are faithful, you are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. Then down to verse 12. You created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness Go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. You want to celebrate? You want to rejoice? We do it in the righteousness of God. Not on whether we own a house or a flat, whether we own a little hovel or a mansion, whether we're rich or whether we're poor, we rejoice in the Lord our God. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of the throne of God and connects him with the steadfast love of the Lord. This time I was beginning to get a bit of an idea that I should be changing my message. And it was confirmed a couple of days later when vision, some of you get it, it's out there, I recommend it to you, speak, spoke in this particular day that highlighted Psalm 41. Blessed is the one who considers the poor, he is called blessed in the land. So with the blessedness of 41 and the righteousness of 89, what could I do but speak on Matthew 5 verse 6? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And that's where the blessing is going to come. This is where today 
the word of the Lord will speak to you and bring that blessing that only he can give. Nobody else can do it. Nothing else can do it. Only the, blessed, the blessedness that comes from him. Do you have a wish list? Some of you got a wish list? Nobody? Anybody? Anybody got a wish list? I got one, two, three, four, four, five. I got five people who got a wish list. Okay? Some people might refer to it as a bucket list. Anybody got a bucket list? Yes, got some bucket lists there. I, I always wondered whether that meant something you wanted to do before you kicked the bucket, but... Uh, not worth living for some of the things we want on our bucket list, is it? And then there are the things that we're hanging out for. Now, I, I admire David. I really admire David. Did you see that he raced up here today to share the message that was on his heart? And he didn't say a word about his beloved hawks and how thrashed they were. Because there were things in his life far more important than a football game. He has a desire for the young people, for the kids, for the children, for the adults, for families, for the people of God. They're the things that he hungers and thirsts for. They're the things that keep him going. I wonder what it is that keeps us going. What do we hunger and thirst for? Some of you are already probably thinking about lunch or maybe dinner or maybe something else. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. So what, what is righteousness? First, let's have a look at righteousness. So I had to do I had to get out my dictionary and to find out what righteous is. And my dictionary stated that it is an adjective meaning upright, godly, virtuous, morally justified. Hey, they're good old Christian terms, aren't they? All the sort of things that we as Christians should comply with. That's righteous. Now let me read from the book of Wisdom, Ecclesiastes 7.20. Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous. No, not one who does what is right and never sins. Bit hard, isn't it? No one. But let me take you to Calvary. Let me take you to that scene where Jesus has been crucified and the centurion who witnessed it all praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. So he, he was recognised as one who was righteous. And then righteousness again to my dictionary, and it said that this is a noun, a person, a place, or a thing. 
And Jesus is associated with it at his baptism. He came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I have need to be baptised by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so for now. It is proper for us to do this, listen, to fulfil all righteousness. And in verse 5 and 6, as we read, and again in verse 20 of Matthew 5, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Maybe he had Isaiah 64 and verse 6. For we have all become unclean, and all our righteousnesses, our best deeds of rightness and justice, are as filthy rags or a polluted garment. So no matter how hard we try, no matter how successful we might do and be in fulfilling all of the things associated with what is right and good and proper and Christian, they'll count. There is filthy, dirty, smelly rags. And as a preacher I heard once say, and if you should be able to sneak into heaven without being seen, you'll be smelt. Because good deeds stink as far as salvation is concerned. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, a collection of verses from the Old Testament. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. We have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, you might have started off as a pretty good sort of person. You didn't swear before you could speak, did you? Maybe you did it under your breath, I don't know. But no matter how hard we tried, goody-goody little two-shoes, off to Sunday school, got staff or remembering the verses, did well in all these things. But in the end, sin got its hold upon us and we all fell far short of God's standard. And that's why Jesus came. Because none of us, no matter how good we might have thought we were, we have all sinned, every one of us, and come short of his glory. Psalm 53, the first three verses. The fool said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Everyone has turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. Not even one. So it's a fat lot of good trying to be good. 
because no matter how hard we may try, we fail. What did Paul say? The good that I want to do, I don't do. The evil that I don't want to do, I do. Who can deliver me from the body of this death? Who can set me free from the sin that so easily, easily falls upon me and into which I fall? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And friends, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, there is a weight upon you. There is a burden upon you. And you cannot lift it by yourself. You need someone to do it for you. And that's again is where God comes in. Jesus Christ came into the world to die in our place. To set us free from that sin. And to bring us deliverance that we might have the opportunity never again to be enslaved by sin, but to walk and to live in the freeness of life. So if you've been trying and you've been failing, don't despair. The righteousness that Jesus spoke about is not a place or a thing. It is a person. 1 Corinthians 1.30 follows on from what God had been saying and doing. And because of him, we are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The three things that we need, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And Jesus Christ has become those things for us. And that's what he's talking about when he said, Blessed are you who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you will be filled. So we are hungering and thirsting, not after a thing or a place, but a person. Jesus Christ. And he said, He who comes to me, I will never cast away. He who believes in me, he said, come and believe. Hunger and thirst and you will be filled. So hungering and thirsting is coming and believing in Jesus Christ as your Saviour and your Lord. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So righteousness is all about Jesus. And as Romans 10.10 says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And when we hunger and thirst for him, we will be filled. And there is no greater blessing than that. You want to be blessed? You want a blessing? Commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hunger and thirst for him and you will be filled. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross to save you from your sin, your own 
unrighteousness. And then he rose from the dead. All that remains for you to do is to confess him as your saviour, invite him into your life, and he will fill you with his righteousness. And there is no greater blessing. I had a blessing this week. When I came to uh, go to Bible college, there's a group of us came over from Western Australia. And we formed a little group in college. And we called it the Gospel Crusaders. Five of us were from Western Australia and we had a foreigner there, my roommate. He was a Victorian. And we had this crusade group. And during vacation, we would go off to various churches and we would hold a crusade. There was Max. There was Des. There was Brian. There was Harold. And there was Tom. That's me. And there was Chris, my roommate, the foreigner. Max never graduated from college, but Max could play the piano like you wouldn't believe and he had a heart for God that you would seldom find anywhere. He became a pianist for missions throughout West Australia and Victoria. Des... Oh, boy, could that man preach. He was a great evangelist. He had everything going for him. He established and caused churches to grow. And he went back to Western Australia and he became the state missioner. Had a very fruitful ministry. Brian. Brian... Some of you know Brian. You remember him very well. Great man of God. Involved for many, many years in serving the Lord. And Harold. Harold was one of the loveliest guys you could ever meet. And he was our counsellor in that group, where he, he would just have that ability to sit down and to talk to people and to lead them face to face to Jesus Christ. Des got motor neurone disease and he died. Max was found dead in his unit after faithfully serving the Lord and he died. Brian has died. I don't know where Chris is. All I know is that uh, Chris became a minister, a pastor with the Christian Missionary Society. Had a very fruitful ministry. 
I don't know whether he's alive or not. But this week I sat in front of the television and I watched the memorial service for Harold. So Des is gone. Max is gone. Brian's gone. Harold's gone. You know that service for Harold? The church was absolutely packed in me. The, the, the eulogy given and, and the testimonies given about Harold, I was almost going to wear a tie. Somebody said, Harold always wore a tie to church. I was almost going to wear one today, but it's not about Harold, it's about the Lord. And I think I might be the last of the Mohicans. And friends, I don't know whether I'll ever get an opportunity to preach to you, to share with you the things of the Lord again. I'm off to Perth tomorrow to catch up with some of my family and friends. And I just thank God that Keith and Marga are going to come for a period of time as uh, we await for Brian Harper to come. And I think about those times with the Gospel Crusade in a little country church where I was the pastor. We had quite a number of people come to Christ there during that crusade. We held it in an old wireworks factory, abandoned. And so we came up with the slogan, fireworks in the wireworks. And boy, did Des bring some fireworks there. One of the young people went to Bible college and became a Church of Christ pastor. A young lady went to Melbourne Bible Institute and went out as a missionary. Two travelling salesmen who were just in town for the day saw the sign, turned up, and the Lord got hold of them. One of them went to Bible college and he became a, an Anglican pastor in the Evangelical Anglican Church. And for a time he was at St Jude's in Carlton as their preacher there. The other guy from the travelling salesmanship became an elder in a church back in South Australia. And again and again from that little congregation we have seen the fruitfulness of ministry. The same message preached. Many people down through the years, Brian's ministry, so fruitful. Desa's ministry, so fruitful. Harold's, so fruitful. Chris's, so fruitful. Max is so fruitful. All of that little group there, so fruitful. And I believe that God has used simple old me, who never graduated from Bible college either, to share the eternal word of God. And today I'm offering you an opportunity.
to receive the, the blessing. You said you wanted it. You said you're ready for it. I've shared it with you. And I want to invite anybody who has never, ever made that confession of faith to do so right now. If you want it, you're going to have it. But there's a price to pay. Oh, not that you can do anything to earn it. You just have to accept it. But as the scripture says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, I know we're going to have communion shortly. So what I'm going to ask, that if you would like one of the elders, one of the leaders of the church here to come and speak with you, I'm going to ask you to stand. All right? I'm going to ask you to stand, all right? That's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand. And then I'll pray for you. And then we'll take it from there. So quietly now, just for a moment or two, if you want what we've been speaking about here today, the righteousness of God, if you hunger and thirst for it, stand for Jesus right where you are and say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I want to stand for him now. So quietly now. Father, I thank you that you have opened a way for us to come to you by sending your son to us that we might come to you. And Father, I pray that today, for any who may have made that decision in their heart, but maybe have not taken that stand, that you will give them the courage to do so. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.